0: All right. Hi, everyone. My name's Jenny. Um, I'm from Boston, and I grew up in an atheist household with my parents and two older brothers. Um, growing up, I never knew anyone who was vocal or bold enough to talk about their faith. Um, and I just want to say, as I read my testimony today, um, there is absolutely nothing special about me. I'm just an ordinary girl from Boston, but I had an encounter with God, and he changed my life. So when was the last time you shared your faith with someone who didn't know Jesus? In 2019, I met Phil Yu, um, who some of you may know. His family came to visit Boston one weekend. And our parents are friends who grew up up in the same little town in China. Um, About a year later, during the pandemic, Phil posted on his Instagram story about going to church online. And I messaged Phil um, and asked oh, what is this church business about? Because that was the very first time in my life someone had been so vocal about their faith. Um, I also asked him, oh, how did your family become Christians? Because my parents are so atheists. But Phil proceeded to tell me that he was the only Christian in his family, and I was even more intrigued. So I soon found myself sitting in my bedroom, listening to Pastor Daniel preaching on the screen. It was on September 4th, 2020, exactly, almost three years ago from today, that I listened to a sermon for my very first time. That day, I was upset about a friendship situation. And this is what I, wrote about, what I wrote in my journal. The pastor was giving a TED Talk about happiness. What a coincidence! I'm excited to potentially learn more about God. I know that there have been a lot of coincidences in my life where I feel like there's definitely a higher power watching us. Bill um, told me that Alpha was starting in a couple weeks and explained to me that Alpha was a small group for non believers, seekers, or people new to Christianity, and that it was a safe place to ask questions about faith Um, And I was curious to find some answers as to who this God was, so I signed up. After the first two weeks of Alpha, however, I didn't feel like anything was clicking for me in my faith. So right before the third Alpha meeting, I texted Phil, Hey, this might be my last session. I don't think this Christianity thing is for me. But that night, um, God had begun to soften my heart towards him. In my journal, I quoted this from the Alpha video. Jesus died to save us, to take away our guilt and shame. You are loved. If I believe in God or a higher power, why can't I believe in Jesus and his actions? Resurrection means to rise from the dead. Before that night, I vaguely remember my sixth grade history teacher telling us this conspiracy that this guy named Jesus um, rose from the dead and that the people worshipped him. But I was never told that Jesus was crucified on the cross for our sins to have a relationship with him. Um. And that part of the story was kind of important and game-changing, so needless to say, I kept going to the Alpha sessions. And the very next week at Alpha, I learned about the parable of the lost son. In this Bible story, um, a son asks his his father for his inheritance early, but recklessly parties it away. He ends up running back home and begging his his father to hire him back as a servant. But instead, the father forgives the son and welcomes him home with a great feast. In this story, I learned that God was just like that father, that he is forgiving and loving, and that he only cares that his son returned home and that his wrongdoings were wiped clean. And this is what I wrote in my journal that night. If you invite Jesus to come in for a meal and open the door, he will come in. To be a Christian is to trust in Jesus. Children of God are loved more than children of parents. During the fifth week of Alpha, I remember we were learning about prayer, and Pastor Daniel asked the group, tell me about a time you prayed and how it felt. At that moment, I was reminded of three times I prayed as a non-Christian in really difficult situations in my life where I felt like I had no control. But all my prayers started with, uh, hi God, Buddha, my ancestors, divine power. But it wasn't until that night, prompted by Pastor Daniel's question, that I realized God had answered all those prayers from years ago. I wanted to believe that if there was a God in this world, then that God would be as loving and forgiving as the Father was painted in the parable of the lost son. I think that night, I decided to believe and follow Jesus in my heart. I'd realized that during those weeks of Alpha, I had been trying to learn more about God and search for answers, but in reality, God had been by my side and trying to have a relationship with me my whole life. Life after becoming a Christian hasn't been perfect or easy. It took a long time for me to find a local church to to truly call home. There have been times where I've been judged for my faith and my vulnerability in sharing my spiritual experiences, but the joy of seeing God move and hopefully getting to shine the truth of Jesus to others make it all worth it. Jesus is no conspiracy theory. He's the greatest love you'll ever know. There's this analogy that compares compares being a Christian to having new glasses to see the world, and I can confirm that that is true. That I was blind, but now I can see. Back in January of this year, I went on a church retreat and had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. I was shown vivid pictures of someone being whipped, tortured, and dragging a large wooden cross across town and up a hill. I saw vivid pictures of him wearing a crown of thorns and nailed to the cross on his hands and feet. I was honestly in complete shock and awe. At this point, I had already been a Christian for two years and had always loved and respected God. But for some reason, when I heard and read that Jesus had been crucified on the cross for our sins, I thought he was kind of just chilling on the cross the whole time. Well, because he's God. (laughs) But when I was at the retreat looking at those pictures of someone being tortured by the Roman crucifixion, I realized, wow, not only did God love me enough to send his son to save me, but my Lord and Savior, my King, was brutally tortured to death in my place. Another overwhelming thought I had was that not only did God love me that much, but he loves every one of my family and friends and everyone else in this world that much. After this revelation, I was in prayer and felt the physical sensation of the warmest and most loving hug I've ever received. I opened my eyes, but no one around me was hugging me. I knew it was the Holy Spirit. I fell on my knees, and I was in complete adoration of him. When I truly understood everything that Jesus had done for us on the cross, and the amount of physical suffering he endured for us to have a relationship with him, my heart drastically changed. Instead of resentment and unforgiveness towards certain relationships in my life, I felt peace and love. After returning home from that weekend... Um, somehow God had changed me from being an introvert to this extroverted girl, someone who liked being a homebody to this more sociable person. Just in the first week upon returning home from that retreat, God had given me opportunities to share my testimony with over 30 people. Most of them were curious and receptive about my faith. I think they probably had a similar reaction as to me when I saw Phil's Instagram story, that it's refreshing and intriguing to see someone so vocal and confident about their faith. Growing up, I've always enjoyed being the annoying little sister, but since becoming a dedicated feel- follower of Jesus, I've officially brought that role to new heights. <laughs> I'm very vocal about my faith, especially with my two brothers, um, but one comment from my brother really struck me. He said, Jenny, why can't you just be one of those quiet Christians? And my answer to that is this. If I truly loved them, I would do everything I could to prevent them from spending eternity in hell. There is no way I'm letting an opportunity go by without sharing my faith to those around me. Why would I not tell the world about the person who saved me from death and gave me eternal life? If I truly had good news to share, I would want to share it. The more I learn about God and his faithfulness depicted throughout scripture, the more in awe I am of him. Every time I get to experience his goodness and his faithfulness in my personal life, I am strengthened. Sometimes I would go about the day with the mindset of, oh, who am I going to sprinkle little seeds of faith in today? And whether that's at work or hanging out with my family or friends, um, I'm always looking for opportunities to share my faith with others so that they can hopefully take a couple steps closer to Christ. It's kind of wild to think about how God used a random family friend that I only met once, an Instagram post, and a series of Zoom calls to bring me closer to him. When I share my testimony with people, they often tell me that it was a divine appointment or they compare it to the story of the lost sheep of how God left the flock of 99 to save the one lost one but in reality god is doing that and has been doing that for each of us it may not be as clear as it was in my story but god is always willing to get the lost sheep and i believe he also wants to use each of his followers to do it have you ever had a divine appointment what if god wants to use you for his next divine appointment In the beginning of the year, I had another divine appointment. I randomly decided to tune in on the Eden Services Live one Sunday. I usually watch them later in the week, recorded. Um, But for some reason, I had the time and desire to watch it that day. So I turned it on, and I realized I had actually gotten the time zone mixed up. (laughs) And I only got to listen to the last 10 minutes, which were the announcements. And if you don't know, the recorded weekly videos don't have the worship or the announcement parts. Um, But that week, they were announcing that they needed more small group leaders. So instantly I wanted to help co-lead Alpha, virtually of course, and I reached out. Pastor Daniel got back to me saying that there was no one to co-lead with me, um, but I could lead it alone and that they would be praying for me. Um, Honestly, (laughs) yeah, honestly I was really nervous going in. (laughs) But I was hopeful that God was going to allow me to bless someone with Alpha in the ways that it's blessed me. For the first time, I successfully fasted for a whole season uh, I was reading the book of Daniel at the time, and I was inspired by his diet. So, for about two months, I didn't have any meat. And I got to invite some coworkers and friends to a couple of the alpha sessions, and I had random opportunities to pray for um, my coworkers at work. I blessed someone with their first Bible and prayer journal. And within a day of giving her those books, she had told me that she felt like God had answered her prayers. About a month after Alpha ended, we got to catch up, and she told me that she continued on to have a personal relationship with God. And she even shared her new faith with her friends. One of her friends from Thailand, in a month's time of hearing the gospel, has now been baptized. The ripple effect of sharing your faith is powerful. You never know what God can do with your faithfulness and boldness to share. God used a random church on the other side of the country to bring me closer to him and nurture my faith. Because I took a leap of faith to lead Alpha and also invite my coworker, there's this random person in Thailand that I've never met that's now baptized in the name of Jesus. I came, yeah, I came to know Christ because Phil decided to share an Instagram story about going to church online. After the spring season of Alpha ended, I told God that I wanted to see more souls get saved and that I was ready for more responsibilities. But unexpectedly, about a month after praying that, I sensed God was calling me to quit my job and serve at my church's youth summer program. During those five weeks of the camp program, I again prayed and fasted as if the lives depended on it, um, but I was also bold in sharing about my faith. By the end of the camp, God has graciously, graciously let me witness so many middle schoolers come to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. For some people, coming to faith only takes one time of sharing, but sometimes it takes 30 times. You don't know if you're the one out of one, the one out of 10, or the seven out of 10, or the 30 out of 30. You don't know if you're the first or the last but all of them count for steps forward in the kingdom of God. All you have to do is keep dropping seeds of faith, praying that they land on good soil and God will do the growing. What if the next person you share the good news with just needs one more seed to be encouraged to believe? Let me pray for us. Dear God, uh, thank you for meeting each of us where we are and i pray that my testimony would shine some light to your truth lord and i pray that you would give us boldness to share and that you would give us new lights to see the world um, and i pray that you would give us opportunities to share with our friends and family and coworkers, lord and i just pray that you would just grow the seeds that we drop in jesus name we pray amen
1: Good morning, Eden Church. How is everybody today? You can't spell the word testimony without test. Amen. You got to go through some tests. So, first of all, I just want to thank you, Pastor Daniel and Kayla, for uh, allowing me to be here today to share my witness of what God has done in my life. My name is Drew Sanchez. And I have found my identity in Christ. What does that look like? I'll tell you. I'm a student of Jesus Christ's teachings. I'm a follower of the Holy Spirit's guidance. I'm a foot soldier for the kingdom of God in these streets. And I want to honor God with everything I have, for everything that He's done for me. So before I go into my testimony, I just wanted to share a couple things about me so you know a little bit more. Um, I'm a business owner here in San Jose. Uh, my business partner and I started DNL movers 11 years ago. We have 27 employees and a fleet of trucks. We have almost 2,000 clients a year. And God made something very clear to me. He said, you didn't earn this. You didn't earn this success that I've given you. This is a gift. And with this gift, I expect you to hire people who have suffered. People who've been in foster care. People who've been in gangs. People who've been arrested. I want you to give them a second chance in life. wasn't clapping for myself right there (laughs) i was clapping because i was thinking about my business partner who has humble beginnings he was in foster care and in and out of prison and when god told this to me i told him and he said of course let's go let's hire these people we're honoring god with our business community i'm an executive director of a nonprofit organization called the fellowship come on somebody The Fellowship is a nonprofit organization based right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And we work very closely with the homeless population here in downtown San Jose. We don't don't only feed them as a soup kitchen, but we clothe them, we give them free medical care, haircuts, and most importantly, we're praying for people. We're praying for people and we're seeing so much change out there. It's so powerful right there. That's my girlfriend right there. That was a powerful moment. Church, the next slide is my girlfriend and I have the church that we belong to and we're very active members of our church. We don't only go to classes every single week and plan vacations around it, but we lead classes. We teach classes. We found so much community there. Community is so important and we have found it, thanks to God. And with that same picture up there, I just want to honor my girlfriend, Rachel. You know, last night I was talking to one of my brothers in Christ. His name is Reverend Owens from San Francisco. And he said to me, when a man, is, when a man of God is going to war, he needs a woman of prayer next to him. And when I was preparing for this, This is what God does to me. Whenever I give a testimony, he always calls an audible the day before or the morning of. And so I'm always like, man, God, come on. I've had this plan for weeks already. And he says, I don't care what you want to say. I know what somebody needs to hear. And so I was telling my girlfriend, man, pray for me because God's asking me to change my message. And she sent me the most beautiful prayer. And I just want to thank you. Usually I come out the gate pretty hot when I'm giving a testimony, but God told me to slow down this time, at least at the beginning, because I think there's some things that he wants me to say that somebody needs to hear. Bible. 1 Peter 5.8 says this. Mine's going to say something a little bit different from the screen. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Before I get into this testimony, and I know I'm on a shot clock, so I'm I'm, I'm keeping my eye on the timer, I just want to break a couple things down in this scripture, because it's so important for us as Christians and the walk that we're on. It says, be sober. I looked up that word sober, and it means serious. God needs us to know that this is serious. Ms. Wilson, I love you. I just saw you right there right now. God needs us to know that this life and this walk is serious. There's no lukewarm walk. Healing doesn't happen that way. If we're lukewarm, like I was for a season, the rotten roots in my heart that run deep couldn't be healed in that shallow water. The next thing that it says is, your enemy. He says that it's your enemy. If we've opened this book, if we've opened this Bible, and we've committed our life to Jesus Christ, we have an enemy. And it's pretty important to know if you have an enemy out there that's chasing you down every single minute of every single day. There we go. Now we're going to get it cracking. The Bible says this, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. You know why they call him a roaring lion? I'll tell you why. Because he be lying. He's a liar. He's a liar. The Bible says that he's the father of lies. So my question to you is, What lies have you been listening to? What lies have you been believing? Well, don't get too stuck in that lie that's coming to your head right now. Because I got some good news. There's another voice. Anytime that that roaring lion is lying to you, there's another voice. And it's a whisper. It's a whisper of the Holy Spirit that's constantly trying to guide us to the path the Father has for us. So God told me, you got a choice in the voice that you listen to. I didn't know that for a long time. I only heard that roaring lion. And I'm going to share some of those lies with you right now that he told me over the years that kept me stuck in my sin. 2004. In 2004, I was arrested for the third time for the same thing, assault and battery, fighting in public, and I was in Sacramento and I was put in a 23-hour lockdown because it was a violent crime. And when I was in that 23-hour lockdown, there was a voice that talked to me. And here's what that voice said. That voice said to me, you better get comfortable because this is what you do. And when I was sitting in that cell for 23 hours all by myself, I co-signed on the dotted line with the enemy. And I said, you're right, this is what I do. I remember calling my dad, Collect, who's here today, and I called him from jail and he asked me, are you doing okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. He said, I'll bail you out. And I said, don't worry about it, I'm fine. He said, I don't want you to get comfortable in there. This is your third time, I don't want you getting comfortable. And I told him, too late. I hung up the phone and went back to my cell. The next day, I was out in the yard for my one hour walk around, I have my shirt off, I'm acting like I'm all tough. And there's a security guard who I've never met before at the bottom of the stairwell. And he says, yo, Sanchez, come here for a second. And I walked down there and I said, what's up, man? And he said, what are you still doing here? And I said to him what the enemy said to me. I said, you better get used to me. I'm going to be here for a while. Thank God he sent that messenger into that jail to work that day. Because he looked at me and said, Sanchez, you're not like these other guys. I hope that I never see you here again. Dad, I hope you seeing me up here after seeing me in jail and in courtrooms, that this makes you proud what God is doing in my life. That was one of the lies. The next slide is gonna show me just seven years ago Seven years ago, I was 300 pounds. I was drinking five days a week and living a very unhealthy life, on the verge of having a heart attack or a stroke at any time. And I remember one day walking to the bathroom and I literally had to hold the wall because the plantar fasciitis on my feet were so bad I could barely walk. And the enemy once again said to me, it's all downhill from here. And I remember responding to him, man, it is all downhill from here. That's the biggest lie I ever heard in my life. I'm telling you right now. I was sitting on my couch, maybe a couple weeks later, and I'm sweating and I'm having chest pain and I'm short of breath. I worked in the emergency room and I knew what potentially was going to happen. And I thought to myself, I'm gonna have a stroke or a heart attack and I'm gonna die right here on this couch. And I said to God, "Man, please don't take me. My mom needs me here, please don't take me. And God spoke back to me. And he said to me, you're asking me for a whole lie, but you're not doing your part. Get up and do something now, if you wanna live. And in that moment, I jumped off of the couch. My eyes were open. Everything changed in that second. Therapy wants to tell you that change is a process. I'm here to tell you that God can change your life in the blink of an eye. In that moment, I threw away all the alcohol that was in the refrigerator. I threw away all the meat. I became a vegetarian for three and a half years. I lost 100 pounds in one year. But watch this. I remember calling my mom when I hit that 100 pound mark and my mom said, praise God, thank you Jesus. And I said to her at that time, what are you talking about? I'm the one that went to the gym three times a day. I'm the one that stopped drinking. I'm the one that changed my diet. One of the biggest mistakes I ever made in my life. The Bible says when you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So because I thought that I lost all the weight, I decided to get into something called self-help. The next slide will show me in Thailand. Great trip, don't get me wrong. Take a trip to Thailand. It's Great, that's not a sin. But what's your motive going there? My motive to meditate with monks was to get healing in this deep root in my heart. I read countless self-help books let me tell you something about self help that I learned. I was the king of self help. And I can help everybody and anyone with their problem, except myself. That's good. I couldn't find the file when I was the one going through the struggle. And then one day, I was in the parking lot on the east side of San Jose in a, in a little hood called Seven Trees. And There was a pastor in that parking lot. His name is Pastor John. This guy didn't know me. He didn't know anything about me. And he walked up to me and said, God told me to tell you something. And I said, oh yeah? What did God tell you to tell me? And that pastor said to me, God told me to tell you that he sees all the hard work that you're putting in. And he wants you to know that he's proud of you. But he also wants you to know that you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking in the wrong place. In that moment, in that parking lot on the east side of San Jose, I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart. but that's not the victory yet, but I am coming to a close. I accepted Jesus into my heart that day, but accepting Jesus into your heart isn't enough. I didn't find the healing in my heart until I got into relationship with God, until I started getting into his word daily, daily meditating in his word going to church and joining groups and being vulnerable and talking about the things that I was struggling with. It's a difference to talk the talk and to walk the walk. Yeah. The streets used to say you're all bark and no bite. Well, these days, my walk with Jesus is deep and I love it, the, the roots that ran so deep that made me hurt so many people God has removed them. I'm telling you right now, God cleaned the outside of the cup first. He did it in reverse for me Then the Bible says. The Bible says clean the inside and then the outside will be clean. But for me, Jesus cleaned the outside of the cup and then he cleaned the inside. Because I thought that I cleaned the outside of the cup, God said, okay, let me show you a place that you could never reach that only I can wash clean. Jesus transformed me. He renewed my mind. And I'm telling you right now, I stand here living in victory. One of the best compliments I've ever got is from my girlfriend. Because guess what? Who cares the compliments that people give you outside of your house? They don't see the real you. We want the compliments from the people who are closest to us. And my girlfriend said to me, I want what you got. Where'd you get that? I said, come with me. And she has an amazing testimony with Jesus as well. So much healing has happened in her life. She's drawn her family members into the family of Christ, and this is what it's all about. Hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. So I just wanna say a quick prayer for us, if I may. Dear God, I just wanna thank you. And let me get a clap from somebody who's thankful, please. There's always something to be thankful for. God, I thank you from where I've been, where I am and where I'm going. And God, I ask that you help me to never forget where I come from and to always remember who got me here. All the glory goes to you, God. We can search far and wide for healing, but I'm here to tell you today from my life The only healing that I've ever received is from Jesus Christ. So God, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for using me as a willing vessel. For the rest of my life, anything that comes to me is yours. May we learn to loosen our grip on those things that we hold tight. And may we learn to not be afraid of that roaring lion. We have to do the opposite. We have to run towards the roar. I have to run towards the roar. Why? Because my blessing is on the other side of it. My blessing is on the other side of fear. May we face our fears today, but not on our own doing. May we stand hand in hand with you, Jesus Christ, so that you can show us these great plans that you have. Jeremiah 29, 11, I have it tattooed on my chest, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The sad thing is everybody stops there, but you have to keep reading to get the key. If you keep reading, it says, when you search for me and you seek me with your whole heart, then you will find me. God, you have my whole heart, my whole mind. When the enemy looks into the window of my heart, he sees that the lights are on. Every single room is occupied in the house of my heart. There's no vacancy. And I encourage every single one of us to give Jesus all access. Give him that all-access pass. He He wants to be in the attic and the basement, wherever you keep your sins. And that is where freedom lies. Thank you, Jesus, for your unconditional love and your countless blessings. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.